The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, I went to your favouritest, favouritest place in the whole wide world, with the exception perhaps of that uh, that ranch you have um, in the family in Spain, which I know you love, which you'll be going back to this year, won't you, or next year, 2022? Surely, Kev, that's the year, Damn isn't it? right, I will. Yeah. Even if I have to swim, I'm going. What if they sold it in the meantime? Will you just go there, knock, knock on the door and go in and claim it yeah. for a month? No, I wouldn't have to go in. I'd just turn up in my Speedos, just get in the pool for a month. Yeah. They wouldn't mind whoever owned it by then. Fine. <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't. But no, I'm talking about Brighton, Kev. I went to Brighton. So mm-hmm. It's over a week ago now, and I know you love that place, don't you? Yeah, there's I something like about that. Brighton that just you know it's great for photography. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's a really, really. It's got such a nice vibe to it as well. Yeah, they've really, uh, they've really upped it in the last kind of twenty years or so. Brighton, yeah, yeah, really nice. One of my strongest memories of Brighton is when we went. You and I, we went with Patrick Larock. We went with Facundo as well, and and uh, it was like like an was it was an eighteen millimeter street photography fest. Well, those two anyway, definitely. And yeah. I, I just remember as we walked along just on the left-hand side, as we walked from the, we came out of the pier, turned left, walked along a bit, and I just remember a tourist being mugged by a huge gull that had this person's chips. Well done for not saying seagull, by the way. Well, I did my best there. Which which Facundo howled at and thought it was hilarious. It was almost like he'd never seen a gull in his life. I don't think they get them in Argentina. Do they not? No. Is it a gull-free zone? Yeah, I think so. It's just like, um, I think they just get polar bears down there. (laughs) <laughs> no other animals that, what in Argentina where he lives yeah that's it oh and uh, Polo- pe- jaguars what Kev do you know anything about wildlife jaguars yeah that's <laughs> jaguars and pumas they're the they're the, they're the um, that's the logo on the rugby crest of Argentina oh. that's it just them and um, polar bears that's uh, all there is Kev you don't get polar bears in Argentina pumas and jaguars that's all there is in Argentina really? I've been there and I didn't see any other animals no, nothing at all then the oh. Fuji cast there's got to be something. What, what do you have in Malmesbury? Polar bears and pumas. <laughs> oh, we got loads of people. Yeah, we got we got we get animals from Tetbury quite a lot. What is your county animal, Kev? Do you know in the uh, in the Wiltshire Shire uh, crest? What is the? Uh... I don't know about Wiltshire, but the jackdaw is Malmesbury. I know that. Is it the jackdaw? Yeah, the town. The nickname of the town is jackdaws. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Well, I would mm-hmm. never have known stuff you didn't know about where Kev lives. Mm. Well, welcome to the Fuji Cast. Here we are. One, one, another another Monday diet of your um, your emails and your Facebook messages that you've sent in to be answered on the show. Um, also, of course, uh, we have a book of the week. What's the book of the week this week, Kev? Oh, the book of the week is uh, Fred Herzog, uh, Modern Colour. And what's that roughly about, Kev? Apart from it's, colour, uh, it's Fred Herzog's pictures <laughs> in colour. <laughs> okay. And um, and of and of course, if uh, we have our guest now, you spoke to we had sort of in two parts. Part one was uh, was last week. Uh, part two coming up this week. Who's our guest, Kev? Darren Goldstein. Yes, I love that chat. Really, really interesting. I thought. I tell you what, when I when I looked into Darren's work, uh, I mean, clear, clearly I knew of him um, because we've talked about him before. But uh, when you look at when you start to look more at his work, actually, it's a great plethora. You tend to think, well, I, initially I just thought, well, he's obviously always on set. He's always somewhere really nice with a film crew. But actually, he does he does delve into uh, social photography as well, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's a fantastic photographer. Yeah. Complete all-rounder. 
Right. Um, oh, we should do some bump to the fronts to start with because we we actually we have a few, don't we? Do you want to do you want to launch with the uh, with, do, the, with the patronage? So, first of all, thank you to our new patron supporters, yeah. uh, of which there's been two <laughs> recently: Carl <laughs> uh, Britt and Jeff Petrie. So it thank all, you guys. It all counts, for, Kev. It all counts for supporting. It does indeed. We had to have the vet out to the horse last night for the first time. Oh, no emergency vet. Oh, what was the matter? Oh, I know, something wrong with it, expect. <laughs> I get that, Kev, but I just wonder what was wrong with it. Uh, I, I, don't, I a... didn't really ask that. I just oh. asked how much the bill was going to be. Well, you must have come across as really empathic. <laughs> well, How much also... is this costing me? If it's too much, send it to McDonald's, please. <laughs> oh, no. I was really, I was quite worried about the poor thing, actually. Yeah. It's, a, it's a sweet little horse. Well, actually, it's a sweet, enormous horse. Yeah, um, I don't know what was wrong with it. There was something to do with the hay, and it, I think it had asthma or something. Anyway. Um, How would you get one of those was... great big asthma inhalers <laughs> to a horse's what... mouth? <laughs> what was the question again? What Dobbin, were we doing? stay there. Um, I don't know. It was patrons. That was it. Patrons. Yeah, patrons. patrons yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much for your support. Um, and we do have a couple of bump to the front. So remember, if you're a patron, you do get priority over your questions. And uh, the first one is from Chris Ruhr. He says, hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. I uh, hope you guys are tickety-boo. <laughs> nice reference to the uh, book of the week a couple yes. of weeks ago. Thanks for making the Futurecast such a brilliant way to share your vast knowledge with inspiring books and guests. I'm thinking of creating a Tog merch zine. Now, straight away, you need to learn something that Kev is not Ooh. very keen on the word tog. And actually, zine. zine is a problem for yeah. you as well, isn't it? Or merch. Or mer- you picked out the three things that Kev doesn't really appreciate. <laughs> tog merch zine. Uh, and actually, I think that's the point of the question. There's a big smiley, laughy face at the yeah, end of it. Hope yeah. Kev would have some useful opinions. Um, obviously, he's going to include silent letters and snapshots. Yes, of course. <laughs> I think he's playing to your irritations, Kev. It's not a real question, as I just figured out. Yes. But yes, thank you for making my hackles rise. <laughs> <laughs> have, your Thanks, hackle, have your hackles risen? Quick, call out the vet. <laughs> Kev's, in, Kev's in trouble. I'm not. How much is it, vet? If it's any more than five pound fifty, put him down. Uh, <laughs> it's a female horse. Oh, no, I know your one is. I was talking about you. Oh, God, no. Nobody would pay £5.50 to keep <laughs> me going. Uh, right, I'll move. Michael Honkomp yes. says, Hey, Kev, hey, Neil. Uh, I was picking up a used Nikon Z7 uh, camera off MPB and had the question pop into my head. With the limited shutter life of cameras, albeit not likely to really run into the into it, given the limit uh, that I'm not a professional shooter, I was curious what your thoughts are on exclusively using the electronic shutter. I am primarily a natural light shooter of slow-moving objects, mountains and flowers and such. Mountains move really slowly. So I wouldn't think I'd have any concerns about banding or rolling shutter. Am I missing anything? Well, without without the shutter flapping about in the wind of your creativity, you've, you've got to be thinking about longer life, haven't you, Kev? I mean, the X-T4, I think, was the first camera that Fujifilm actually gave a estimated shutter life on. Yeah. Uh, none of the others they did because, you know, it's just not really a thing. Um, what was that shutter life, Kev? Do you remember? I think it's 450,000 yeah. um, estimated shutter life. Yeah. Um, presumably, they've started giving that figure because uh, warranty and all that kind of stuff. You know, if your shutter falls out of your camera and it's, you know, it's only done a certain amount, then you can probably go back to the warranty. I've no idea about the Nikons or Canons and all that, but I guess they all work on the same technology. I, I, 
I wouldn't personally think it would affect anything. I have my camera set constantly to use mechanical plus electronic shutter. So I would say it pushes the electronic shutter maybe 10, 20% of the time. Mm. But yeah, I don't really think about, about that to be awfully honest with you. I mean, if I was, if I was a wedding photographer, you know, some people rightly or wrongly, it doesn't matter, but some people shoot 10, 15, 20,000 frames at a wedding. Then I think I'd probably be a little bit more concerned about my shutter life, but yeah, it's not something that ever really comes to my mind. What about some of those foibles of electronic shutter, Kev, like like slow moving stuff and banding, that that kind of thing. That that can be a problem. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a lot better now. So I, again, I don't know about the Nikon cameras, but the Fujifilm XT4 specifically. Um, you know, I don't really see any banding these days, even under artificial light. X Pro 3, X Pro 2, that kind of camera, it was a little bit more obvious. And so I would always have to check. Uh, you know, I'd usually take a, a rapid burst of maybe 10 frames in, in electronic. Check, yeah, yeah. But yes, so yeah, use the electronic shutter, slow moving sh- subjects. If you're outdoors as well, should be absolutely fine. I would have no dramas uh, with that. Yeah, uh, most of these cameras now have, a, I'm going to call it an anti-bander, which is a bit like your anti-Nancy. But, but anti flicker, <laughs> anti flicker, uh, but yeah, yeah anti flicker. Anti flicker. Anti flicker is actually not necessary for the electronic shutter. Well, certainly in the future film world, mm. anti flicker is is uh, because you, you you can you often get in fact in these really really super low power lights you get the banding in the mechanical shutter as well. Yeah, uh, it can happen. So that anti flicker is really for that. It's not specifically for the electronic shutter stuff. You can always tell um, when a ho- hotel or a venue or something has has not really bought the best lighting. Well, oh. <laughs> Maybe they have. I don't know. I mean, no, they haven't. If, it, if, it's even, flick, if it's flickering like mad, it's not set to our hertz rate, is it? Well, I don't know. I mean, they, they can go really slow and still emit light, can't they? Which means that they're saving power, saving energy. Well, that's it. So, it's, it you know, what's good for Greta is not necessarily good for um, for photography. Absolutely. Um, right. We did have another so, Patreon one, actually. Kev, did you get the one from Hludis? Uh, about the book? Yeah, I just came across this photographer, Karen Marshall. Mm-hmm. I thought she might make a great interview subject for the podcast. So I just wanted Cludis to know that we have got it and it's in the file. Uh, I bet that's not how you pronounce his name. <laughs> well, you know actually what it is, don't you now? It took me a long time to realise what Cludis is. What is it? Turn the name backwards. Sidwell. Yeah. And then, mm. and then as you look down the patronage, you'll notice somebody in there with the surname Sidwell. Mm. <laughs> is <Okay>. that... <laughs> Is that is that made your day, Kev? No, not really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but for, um, for I don't know. For as long as this, and it's almost three years, I think Cludis has been with us for such a long time, yeah. and I never knew that until one day he said, "You know, that's my surname the wrong way round." <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we do have one other patron um, bumps the front, and yeah. this is from Renots Edna. Is that the wrong way around? Yeah. <laughs> Figure that one out. Read what? Sorry. Re-nots Edena. Oh, I don't know. Andy Stonia. Anyway, he's 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 talking about uh, we had a con- we were talking about having a contract clause for retouching ah, in our yes. contract. Yes, uh, it's not a question; it's a point. He says, oh, "I've also got one for wedding venue retouching too." Way back when uh, a church had scaffold on uh, scaffolding on it for a service, which wasn't there when the couple booked, so they wanted him to Photoshop it all out, and so he's now got a contract clause for uh, retouching <laughs> buildings. God, you could go on forever, couldn't you? God, you could, couldn't you? 
That's an, it's an interesting point, actually, because uh, when you can't avoid the scaffold sometimes in a photograph. And OK, if you're out there making, you've got a long time to make particular pictures and you're make, I don't know, you're doing something for the town council about the town, you'd clearly go around and find places that didn't show scaffold. But if you're photographing an event like a wedding, then um, there are moments you just, you can't help it because you might be missing a, a moment if you think, oh, no, that's such a great moment. But there's scaffold all around them. Yeah. What do you do? Take pictures of the scaffold. And then superimpose you can it do back about in. It. I mean, you obviously do your best. If yeah. there's an opportunity to get shot without it in the background, you would do that. But if, if there isn't, ooh, it's there, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's like I, I've been doing a few workshops in London recently and, and London is literally every single corner has got construction oh, God, on it. so much right at the moment, yeah, yeah. But that's the same with robots. Have you noticed the proliferation of robots now, Kev? It's almost mm. like, and I know you have to build yourself out of recession and build yourself out of Brexit and build yourself out of COVID and God knows what other things we have to build ourselves out of. But I've never noticed. Uh, we we obviously spend quite a lot of time returning home to our houses from quite late at night because of because of the events that we photograph. And I just I, the amount of roads that are closed. You go one way, you think what? If it's in the middle of nowhere, what are you? Yeah, doing? well, in London especially, it's because they're they're building that super massive railway that will allow rich people to get to Birmingham four minutes quicker, won't they? So they're, they're okay. <laughs> cutting up half the country and spending billions and billions on it. Kev, it's a connection for everybody, not just mm. for people in pinstriped suits. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it is. He, he told whole... me that when his only first-class carriage is allowed. No, <laughs> Kev, it doesn't... All the normal people will be getting there four minutes later and Kev, paying a lot no, less. There's no such thing as a first-class tra- only train. And remember, it's also... To, uh, to allow more capacity, Kev, more freight trains, be greener. So it's for capacity, capacity, not just for f- first-class-only trains, which don't exist anyway, Kev. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there isn't, Kev. <laughs> oh, God, power to the people. Do you remember him? Wolfie yes. Smith. Wolfie Smith. Yeah. Power yeah. to the people. Right. Tutin Liberation Front. Yes, that's the one. Uh, oh, brilliant. What memories. Oh, who played that? Oh, brilliant actor. What was his name? Oh. Uh, that was, um, oh, he died, didn't he? Did he? No. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he died. Um, well, we better check this now, now that you've said that. Tutin, Tutin Liberation. Citizen Smith. Robert Lindsay. Robert no, Lindsay. Died. He hasn't died, has he? Robert Lindsay. I don't think he's, no, Robert Lindsay is still with us. Yeah. Let me Robert just Lindsay. check, though. Uh, Robert Lindsay, born 13th of December, 1949, age 71 years, still very much with us. Good. 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 Thank heavens for that. i tell you who isn't with us. Uh, not- che Guevara. No. <laughs> who was the song and dance guy that died last week? Oh, yes. Um, God. <laughs> um, this is a bit like a competition that a colleague of mine on the radio used to uh, do called uh, called Dead or Alive, and you'd have to say whether they were dead or alive. What's his name? He used to be on that program. It starts with um, B. But, uh, Bla- um, Tony Blair. No, not no, Tony Blair. Tony Blair's still alive. <laughs> Russell Blair. No, Blair. No. It's something Blair, isn't it? Dancer, what died? <laughs> Blair. I'm sure it's Blair. Oh, I'd, uh, Isadora he, Duncan. No, it wasn't Isadora no, Duncan. He was on Give Us a Clue and he was on Lionel Dancing Blair. Lionel Blair. Blair. That's it. Lionel Blair. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been, a, um, it's been a, a sort of a joke, a running joke in our family for many, many years because uh, great grandma, who did actually pass a decade, maybe more ago now, used to, we always used to, she always used to say, such a shame Lionel Blair's dead. And we'd say, Lionel Blair's still alive, granny. No, he's dead. <laughs> No, he's very... So when he died the other day, we did sort of, um, obviously sort of cast an eye up towards Great Granny and say, there we go, 
Lionel's with you now, great granny. Uh, there we go. Right. Um, I like Lionel Blair. Yeah. You, wholesome entertainer. Oh, yeah, well, he was. That was a days. whole sort of wholesome entertainment period, wasn't there, of Morecambe mm. and Wise and people like that. Anybody mm. in America now is thinking, who are these people you're talking about? Yeah. Right. Don't bother looking them up on Netflix. They probably won't have a series on Netflix, no. Um, this is one from Jason Stafford. This really is a question for us, Kev, though it came to Photography Daily, but oddly for us both. Are you the new guest presenter or something? You're trying to tell me something. Am I being hoisted from my own show? But it does. It goes, hi, Neil. Hi, Kev. <laughs> well, we did it, almost. I'm a wedding photographer, I think, just still. We're on the home run out of 21 into 2022, though we still have COVID to contend with. There do seem some positive signs that perhaps 2022 will bring some better times that you both talk about. Two questions. With hindsight, oh, no. Is there anything you would have done differently with your own businesses to get to this stage? How will you future proof? Well, actually, Kev, I think your business was a was a lot was a lot better than mine during during COVID. You're a clever chap for a start. You made yourself some presets and things like that. Did that? Is he on about recently, or is he on about generally over the years? Uh, well, that's the question. So I, I guess now he means generally in future years, future proof. So you know, to protect ourselves against this. This thing ever damaging our businesses again? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but you know, you can't have, you can't legislate for total unknown things happening, can you? You know, you can have insurance against such things, which will cost a fortune. Uh, I don't you know, know you of, can, I don't know of any photographers that were insured in any way, shape, or form against this. Were they? I don't. Well, not not necessarily photographers. Although you probably could get insurance for it now. Mm. Um, but there was a lot of um, businesses had clauses had uh, insurance against uh, natural virological disasters or something what? like that. Well, is this a new policy now? No, no, no. They all had it. Loads of them had it. It was this kind of standard policy. And then all you know, when everything shut, everybody went to their insurance companies, and the insurance companies countered it by saying, "No, that what that means is locally." So, for example, if there's a gas leak, You're right, and or a chemical plant explodes in your local area, and everything has to close down, everybody. Has to stay indoors then you're covered for that you're not covered for a global pandemic so the wording in the contracts was all a bit skew if but that clause that was there was a lot of people that went to the insurance companies for that um my gym did for a start and you know they didn't they didn't get anywhere but no. they were right to do it so yeah i'm sure you could get insurance for that kind of thing now yeah i i would say that um for me i you know i really kind of got my head down and did things that i'd always planned on doing and never really had time for it so that that kind of saved my bacon the future you know what would happen okay let's 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 throw the cards on the table what would happen if today tomorrow boris you know combed his hair got on the tally again and said uh right everybody has to stay at home for the next six months oh god what would you do did you say cards on the table or keys on the table and that's a whole <laughs> different party um i what don't would know you, what, what would you do if boris did that oh, crikey kev i think i really i'm gonna be a dpd driver i can't think i i couldn't do this again i battled as much as, as i could to get through this including Boris loans and all sorts of other stuff and doing odds and bobs that I could do and launching podcasts. and But I didn't do what a lot of people had to do, which is go out and get another job as a, as a cab driver or a delivery mm. driver or it, retail, although retail wasn't around for a while. I don't, I don't know. That, I, I think that's the only thing that would be left to me, Kev. I mean, uh, one thing that lockdown certainly 
So I was, I was chatting to a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, popped over to Marjorie for coffee, and we were having a chat about, um, you know, things that we learned during lockdown. And, and he said something really interesting, and, and it's very true of everybody, I guarantee it, that the lockdown taught us what we didn't need and, and how little we actually need to survive. So, you know, you don't need a cleaner, you don't need a gardener, you you, know, you don't necessarily need new clothes. Steady on, you Kev, there's gardeners here saying, hang on, Kev, that's our business. I'm well, a, you I'm, don't need them, though, do you? You I'm, don't let's face it you don't you don't need them mm-hmm. if you need them if you haven't got the time for this stuff, well we perhaps. found out that people didn't need most types of photographer well exactly but i'm on about your general home living now yes. so you know you can you survived without getting takeaways yeah. you, you know you survived eating different things yeah. you spent the, the actual most people like and this is a, a very broad generalization but the economists say that most people actually saved money if they weren't impacted by their job so people all the people that were you know sent home to work and everything and were lucky enough not to have the, ni- a, a the salary ni- the nine to five they, the salaried nine to fivers yeah you're talking they about saved now, money well yes. even even the ones that were you know just didn't have to kind of get in the car in the morning and all that kind of stuff the money that's gone into savings accounts went up a lot during lockdown oh yeah a i mean lot. one of our friends uh, came out of it with a with a lovely electric car and um, a load of stuff done to the house and uh, this yeah, exactly. My word. And, you, you know, so it, it does It does prove that, you know, if you, of course, we all want to have nice things in our lives and we all want to do things and everything, but you can get by without stopping at Costa Coffee in the morning and, and you know, getting a coffee on the way in. You, you can get by with all that stuff. You don't want to do that at all, but you can, you know, and so I think that, that that's the main thing I learned from lockdown is that there's a lot of stuff in my life that probably is I spend on that I don't really need. You know, there's a big difference in need and want, yeah. isn't there? Well, very much. Well, what about Jason's question, though? What? How would you future-proof now? Were you, in, in terms of photography, well, I think actually certainly going off in different directions and having a tentacular uh, business would, would be the thing you... Well, what's an octopus got to do with this? <laughs> my friend the octopus, so we're back to that movie. Um my octopus friend wasn't that my octopus? Oh, never mind. Isn't no, no. You're on about that. You're on about a ten-legged octopus, aren't you? Tentacular. No, no. <laughs> I'm talking about the sort of the the way that you reach out and, and grab different elements of your business. And instead of a photographer thinking, right, that is all I do. Um, now I I did have to think about. Oh, okay. Well, I I can do sound, so I'll invest a bit of time in my sound business and voiceovers, and I've started doing more of that kind of thing. And then in photographic terms, I thought, right, okay, well, what about all those people that haven't had albums? And funnily enough, there were people around that did want to buy albums. They were your nine-to-fivers that weren't so affected uh, as you... Yeah, as, so, and as they were saving money, money, so they had, the, they they had the, the cash to do it then. Money yeah. for albums, that's it. Um, and then think commercial photography, whereas in the past I've always thought, oh, I've really only got time for this. Actually, there's loads more time for other, other types of... So I think future-proofing means that you... I know there are now that that flies in the face though of all those people that say, well, if you want to be the best of the best, rise to the top and be the kind of photographer that people say, go to that person because they do X. That that's the disadvantage. 
of having a, an approach that um, that's wider. But I think future-proofing for me as a social photographer, because I'm not at the top of my game as a, I don't know, as an environmental photographer or editorial photographer. I'm the kind of photographer that, that needs to go off in different directions. And that's how to future-proof, I think, for me. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, yeah, for me, if, you know, if the, if the doors are closed again tomorrow, there's no no doing anything, you know, photography-wise. I think my, my takeaway from it, my, my hindsight vision is is slightly different in that I think that if uh, if we can't shoot we can't shoot can't do it maybe maybe presets whatever they've they, they've I've done those now probably can't do any more of those but the online training worked really well uh, that kind of stuff you know but I feel like the wider picture has, has been more important for me for example you know I don't know overpaying the mortgage a little bit and stuff like that with the, the hope of bringing that getting rid, rid of that monkey on my back earlier you know that kind of thing but that's, that's not that's not future proofing the business this is Jason well it was, is because if we didn't have to pay my mortgage you wouldn't have to do the business <laughs> yeah. no, but you've got to do the business to overpay the mortgage Kev. well yeah absolutely but D- you, you know i'm row, on about, I'm on about in the row. times where we haven't got a global pandemic yeah. which hopefully won't be another one for a very long time oh, every yeah. hundred years we'll get one please boris can we have our christmas back <laughs> um, he had a second part to the question. Have we got Christmas time? is going to be shit this year. Why? Because there ain't nothing in the shops. Honestly, I went to buy a toothbrush this morning. Mm-hmm. No toothbrushes. Really? Co-op. No what? toothbrushes. I said to the lady, when do you think you might get some toothbrushes in? She said, we haven't had any for six weeks. Well, there's plenty here. I bought 100 packs last week. <laughs> <laughs> How many teeth have you got? <laughs> no, I'm just talking about hoarding, Kev. I was being a uh, rock. Oh, right, I see. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> Whoosh, yeah. whoosh, it was like a red arrow over it, your it head. It did go one. over my head, yeah. Right, but, uh, he had a second part to the question, but I think, uh, <laughs> should we come back and do that one? Because otherwise this half's going to be extremely long. Or do you want to do you want to do it now and make the second half a little bit shorter? What do you want to do, Kev? I, I know you can, I'm, I'm in the middle of reading this article about Gareth Bale, so you can carry on because okay. I'm not quite finished. Right. <laughs> Once again, Kevin is doing something else while we're trying to do the podcast. My, my business, he said, has been through real ups and downs, as have all our businesses, but I can't help but feel the world rather left me behind at times. We've, we've kind of talked about that within the answer. Well, watching your friends look at you with pity was the hardest thing, but then equally my peers haven't always been the easiest collection of friends either. How do you cope with the public exclamations of success when you're still going through the ringer? Keep up the good work, Jason. Mm. Um, yeah. I think you have got, you have a responsibility to your peers. That doesn't mean that you go online. I mean, let's talk about social is where most of this happens, let's be honest, isn't it? You go online and say, well, I'm all right, or, you know, but there's nothing wrong with, with being successful. And Americans always used to say that, you know, uh, the problems with the problem with, the, with being British is that we don't, we don't celebrate success. Whereas in America, they do, don't they? You know, oh, you've got a Porsche. Well done you. How can I get one of those? Whereas, oh, you've got a Porsche. Yeah. Let's scratch it. <laughs> get a coin on it. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. But, but yes, this sort of, um, I'm doing so well, I've got all this. Mm. Um, haven't I done well? Wait, waiting for somebody to say, oh, you've done so well. Well done, you. There's a, it's a fine line, isn't it, Kev? Particularly when you're thinking about, I think you need to you need to show your empathic self. You need to think about other... When you write stuff, think about how that would affect you if you weren't in that position. Yeah, I believe it. I agree with that totally. You know, you do. You should think before you, you, you throw your hand fists at the keyboard kind of thing. That said, 
there are still there's quite a few people, not many, but quite a few people who are simply jealous. Yeah, you know, don't, yeah, don't yeah, like yeah, yeah, other people being successful. Yeah. And you know, they're your, your typical keyboard warriors, aren't you? Uh, aren't they? Sorry. And um, <laughs> say, steady uh, on, aren't you? Uh, Thank sorry. you very much, Kev. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I just finished the article. I'm, I'm going to see Wales, Belgium tomorrow night, so I'm really excited. Um, oh, talking of oh, poor Albie. Yeah. This is uh, this is another quick interjection. Yeah. So I booked tickets to go see Wales, Belgium, the last World Cup qualifier uh all his heroes you know gareth bale aaron ramsey half the man city team playing for belgium all of that kind of stuff yeah yeah uh, lukaku bet. all of those and um he's really excited and then uh Gemma said oh when are you going to watch football so i was like uh, next tuesday um only for her then to tell us all that oh that's the week that albie's away on his residency in oh, school no oh my god talk about heartbreaking <laughs> boom how did you there tell him? You have a heart broken heart. Oh. You have two broken hearts, mine oh. and his. Oh. So um, I will send him some pictures. Anyway, when, um, when is the match on? Is this match just gone as we're doing this show? No, it's tomorrow night. It's tomorrow night. Well, you're getting much better at this than me, Kev. Now you remember. Yes, quite. So uh, yeah. <laughs> So Gareth Bale will, assuming he played on Saturday, just gone, will yeah. get will have got his hundredth cap. So he'll be on his hundred first cap should wow. he come on against Belgium and not get injured. Well, at least, at least if you lose or you get thumped, Albi doesn't have to see it. True. Yeah, I've taken him to three football games and we've lost everyone. Wow. So um, he's kind of I'm kind of yeah. glad he's not coming in a way. Um, anyway, yes. So keyboard warriors, there are some I'll of them go. out there. I, I'm available. Uh, oh yeah, no, no, it's an under twelve ticket though. Oh. <laughs> You could come. We could maybe, you know, if you go on your knees and... Uh, well, you know, they say, what about his grey beard? Oh, I know. He's you can shave beard. that. Oh, right, okay. Um, we could draw We could draw some hair on your head. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get away with it, Kev. I could get some from the horse. Yeah. <laughs> Trim the tail a little bit, stick some on your head, and then uh, that'd be all right, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> right, go on, sorry, as a keyboard warrior, go on. Uh, yeah, so keyboard warriors, <laughs> ignore them, basically. There's, there's, you know, some of them exist, but mostly, I think mostly people like to see happy things, don't they? Success, yes, I think, yes, I think yeah, generally. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right, happy, happy stuff, but just, just bear in mind, how somebody might consume that. That doesn't mean you have to be very careful about everything. Well, you do. You have to be careful about things you write, yeah. But just bear in mind other people's feelings. And I think there was a lot of posturing done, and a lot of look. I've done you know 184 weddings, and bring it on, you know uh, that kind of thing. I, I, my heart sank a bit every time I saw it, and I thought, did you? Why did you do that? Really? Yeah. There is. Yeah. There's. There's. There's a whole lot of one-upmanship. I mean, it's the world we live in, isn't it? Social world. Right. Well, that's that world put to put to rights. Shall we? Uh, shall we speak to Darren Goldstein, or you rather, speak to Darren Goldstein? Indeed. Yeah. I've finished my article now, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's return for this is as I said in the introduction last week. It was a bit like when uh, when Kevin. Well, it was like when Harry met Sally. It's when when Kevin met Darren. Uh, part two any kind of shoots come to mind that were uh, something spectacularly it doesn't have to be bad but different weird strange anything you, you immediately comes to mind you think oh yeah I remember when that happened not nothing exactly but I mean I, I will say that just you know I've worked on so many different sized sets and shows and productions that you know they, they really cover the gamut in terms of how, how many people and how much money is involved in these and, and you really do notice a difference and Obviously, what's I, I don't know if it's how popular it is over there, but what's happened recently on set just a few weeks ago with Alec Baldwin, mm. um, it, which is just a terrible, terrible story uh, of someone getting killed by you know with a with a prop gun that sh- 
that had lie rounds in it, which which just shouldn't be happening. And it's it's a whole uh, I don't even I don't even know how to approach it. But you know, I, I've seen close calls like that, similar to that, not quite nearly as bad. But I've seen some things like that happen. Not so not quite with my cameras or anything like that. But right. you know, sometimes there. Uh, there's been scenes where you're, you're, you know, an actor is working with a knife, for example, and there's a, there's a real knife and then there's a rubber knife that they're using. And sometimes you're shooting some of these, these productions because they are um, maybe a lower budget and their, their time constraints are, are less. They are rushing through a scene. And there was an incident once where, um, where someone was being told to use a knife that the director didn't realize was a real knife. And they're like, no, 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 just, just, just pretend to slash the person. And the actor is sitting there with this, this knife in his hand saying, but, 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 and the act and the director's just do it, just do it. And it's, it's a scary situation because the director didn't know that he, didn't, that he had the wrong knife in his hand because they're just trying to work so quickly. So that happened, I don't know, in the last year or two. And this whole incident with, with this production, um, with Alec Baldwin's production kind of brought back a lot of those memories. And it, it has maybe revealed and think back to those situations and you know again um, doing one of these prop shoots actually recently for the boys you know we're in studio it's one thing when you're doing these these uh the unit photography and you're with the whole crew and you're with camera people and first ad's and second ad's and first ac's and second ec's and you, you have a whole crew and if they bring out a gun normally uh they're supposed to show the whole crew they have a safety meeting about it they show the whole crew and they say okay here's a gun we have a safety of it's been deregulated it doesn't have live rounds and they'll present that to everybody but um when you're on some of these smaller like prop shoots or whatnot so they pull out a gun and they don't quite do that as much because you might only have three four five people on set so i have to now even then before this incident but especially now it's 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 i have to kind of take it upon myself to say hold on can you show me that that gun is deregulated or doesn't have live rounds in it because at the end of the day that camera is going to most likely be pointed right at me um so it was definitely a, a big wake-up call this this incident that happened and it's it's just terrible and my my heart goes out to everybody involved in that it's just it's uh not good not it good. was awful and uh, actually over the last few years there's been quite a few instances of people being injured and things that I've, I've picked up on in the press i think um in the uh they're making a new indiana jones movie as well i think and uh who is it who does indiana jones my god my mind's gone completely blank um harrison no harrison, harrison ford, ford yeah i think he broke his leg or something oh. i think they were filming that over here and he broke his leg and so he's out of action for a while but but then I suppose he's probably in his eighties. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's really interesting because you know these sets are are very very complicated, aren't they? And very you know you you kind of have this vision almost of a of like a TV studio. You know you have the lights and the cameras behind you, and then everything in front is you know is set up and everything. But there's there's cranes, there's jibs, there's rigs, there's all kinds of safety issues. I would imagine on these places. Yeah, I mean absolutely. And there's just and really more to that is just, there's so much happening. There's so many departments and staff and crew working to make all these things happen for, and it's when you really think about what goes into every single shot and every single prop and when you look at a scene i mean you you have people don't think about it or don't realize it but you when you are watching your favorite tv show and they're in a room and they're every item in that frame has been strategically placed there so you have a set decorator putting every little bottle or or cloth or whatever is in the background 
there. It's strategically placed, so it fits in the, in, the, in the frame. And you might have a director or cinematographer say, you know, what, let's can we move that thing in the background just two inches to the right, to the right or to the left? There's so much careful, precise work going into every single shot and every scene. And I, again, I'm just a small cog in the machine. I mean, in fact, I think, you know, as, as still photographers sometimes are are kind of um, as important as we are, as we know we are to the production. I think a lot of the times we are not valued on set um, and we kind of just are considered in the way a lot of the times we're one extra body in the room we're we're blocking this we're doing that so it, it's a tough balance because sometimes you do have to know when to uh, assert yourself and say no no I, I need this shot we need to get this shot I've been asked to get this shot or when to just back away and say this you know at the end of the day this isn't important they're on a time constraint they need to get this shot done I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take a time because you know time really is money on these sets and I do feel a lot of these a lot of the crew are very stressed it is a very high pressure job at times there's a lot of sitting around when you're not needed but when you're needed you you need to get up and you need to move fast and there is no time to make mistakes and there's no time to fix something there's a lot of pressure so you talk about that pressure earlier that's I don't feel it as much because at the end of the day I'm a I'm a department of one really like I said I'm I'm on set it's just me and and I have to answer to the publicist uh, and the producers that I'm dealing with, uh, but that's more on the back end. Um, I don't have someone standing over my shoulder on set, you know, telling me, hurry up, get this shot, get this, go do this, you know, whereas a lot of the other departments do. Are you given a shot list or uh, do you have kind of any reign uh, in terms of deciding, uh, certainly for the kind of promotional sales and things like that? Is it is it literally all set up um, by the PR company or uh, an agency and, and you know, you're, you're there to, to kind of take the pictures and that's it? Or do you have can, any kind of input into those? Well, typically, like the way it would go for a unit day, um, publicists would say, we're shooting on this day. These are the scenes, you know, usually the publicist will read over the script and say, okay, what is going to be most interesting for publicity? And they will say, okay, we want the scene where the, you know, the car, you know, car flips over and the guns go, whatever. And they'll say, that's the day we want Darren there. And they will contact me. They'll say, this is when they're shooting. So we need you, they'll schedule me in and I'll show up for that time period. And it's usually a certain amount of hours. After that, it's an overtime situation. They don't really want to pay overtime too often. So it's usually about an, an, an a nine hour day for me. Mm-hmm. Plus when I get back and do editing. So I will show up and they will sometimes just say, just shoot what you see. And they won't give me instruction. And other times they will say, okay, we, we need a shot of this. We need you to get a, a posed shot of this actor or actress who's going to be on set that day. Or uh, this actor is going to be in a certain kind of wardrobe, which we'd really like to get. So sometimes it's a, we like to get it. Sometimes it's, we must have it. Sometimes it's just go and cover whatever scenes are being shot and they give me free reign. And, and as you work with these publicists and as the publicists work with me, they, we all understand, um, you know, my style and what the expectations are over time. And eventually they trust me enough that they can just send me out on a day if there's no specific request and just send me. And I just hand back um, a bunch of photos that they can pick through and decide what to use and what not to use. So in terms of the, uh, the editing, you mentioned that you, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll do your shoot and then you'll go home and edit. Do you, is there, uh, obviously some of these films, some of these productions have a certain cinematic look, color grading, if you like, mm-hmm. and are you guided by that? Do you, are you given any instruction in terms of that or is it, is that just not relevant it, I haven't experienced it too much myself. I think, um, again, not to keep using it, but it is such a stylistic show, like The Boys, for example. That show has such a style to it that, and I don't shoot unit photography for them, so it's not quite the same, but I have spoken to their unit photographer who is excellent. 
And he has told me he, his process is different than mine. So he will shoot them and then they hand them off and someone else processes all those photos for them. He doesn't even, I don't even think he edits those anymore. For me, typically I, you know, I think a lot of the look and treatment of the images goes in I'm not one of these people who shoots everything in camera, you know, it's perfect in camera, but yeah. you know, when I'm on set, I will go to the cinematographer and and the camera operators and I'll say, well, what are your settings? You know, I'll look at their white balance and I'll try to copy that. And I'll look at the screen and try to match the tonalities uh, that they're getting. Now their stuff gets, gets graded as well after the fact. So yeah. we're both trying to, I'm trying to get as close as I can. Let's put it that way. From what I've seen when I do these shots and what I edit them the way I edit them, um, Typically, when I see them being used, they're used as I deliver them. Sometimes it's not. Um, in fact, it's kind of funny. The um, One of the Murdoch, I don't know how popular it is across uh, where you are, but uh, Murdoch Mysteries, a show that I posted about, mm-hmm. that's one of the sh- gallery shoots that I use the, uh, the 100 on. And you have these big, beautiful files and I've shot it perfectly clean on a white seamless backdrop and you have these really really clean images that I'm really proud of and then you hand them over and they they comp them all together in Photoshop and they they present you with the final result and and they looks great but at the same time they've used all these filters and whatnot to kind of degrade the quality almost it looks grainy and and <laughs> and it's like oh okay so that's what they did with that you know ten thousand dollar cameras photos uh, it, it's <laughs> kind of funny sometimes so it, can, it goes both ways uh, but typically, as far as grading goes, no, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not being told anything. I'm not being given a preset, for example. I just process them the way I can. I try to make them as, I don't want to say generic, but as, you know, I don't want to do anything too funky with them. Yeah. Uh, I, I have, I have worked on a few shows where uh, they're more of a period piece. Um, and so actually, that was one of the first things I did with my Fujis. I was still loving the novelty of the film simulations. So one of the shows I shot one, I shot everything in classic Chrome for them and delivered every image in classic Chrome. And they loved it. And I loved it. I loved the look, the, the, the final results were great. What's the, what's the deal with how you can use those images? So uh, things like... I don't know, your website, Instagram, and do you have to get a certain release from from them for particular images? That's probably the most frustrating part of the job because you shoot so many images and, you know, we all fall, as photographers, we all fall in love with our photos. And and I have this amazing library of so many incredible photos. But at the end of the day, the only ones that technically that I'm even able to reshare are the ones that they share. So and they may not pick my favorite photos. Like I usually try to give a, a broad folder of images. And then I usually give a select folder of stuff that stood out to me, whether because on set it was important or just, I think it's a really cool shot. So I will segregate those and try to push those to the client a little more and say, Hey, here's a, here's a called down version of my photos. Hopefully they'll use those. And a lot of times they do. And a lot of times they don't. Um, so sometimes you see the photos that they choke, that they choose and you're like, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have chosen that. Uh, th- that's fascinating, Darren. Like uh, all of that has been absolutely fascinating. Um, thank you so much for sharing the insights. Um, I've got a couple of uh, final uh, little questions, if you like. Um, one of yeah. them is, it says on your website again about uh, trick-or-treating and elaborate family-themed Halloween costumes. I looked on your Instagram page and uh, and there they were. There was the the the, uh, the, the Halloween stuff. How was it this yeah. weekend? Was it good? It was It was good. It was a little, you know, it's funny. I've been, so for those that don't know, I've, I, my, I, 
I have three kids, three daughters, and for I don't even know how many years now, but for years we have done a family themed costume every year. It's just kind of evolved over the years. We started with Star Wars because my wife's a huge Star Wars fan, and every, we just said, hey, why don't we just start doing themed ones? And we've done Scooby Doo, and we've done um, Wizard of Oz, and we've done Grease, and all these great ones. And then over the last couple of years or a few years. I've switched to kind of shooting them all in a seamless white background and they kind of have a similar look every year. And I, and this year, uh, Halloween fell on a Sunday. I thought I had plenty of time to set up. I, I set up this backdrop right in my living room. So it's, I don't have tons of space. I'm kind of pushed right up against the walls. And I figured this year, I was like, I, I've been doing this uh, long enough that this won't take long. And there's not a lot of makeup involved. My, one of my, my oldest daughter is really into makeup and fashion. and She's a perfectionist. And I just figured this year we weren't going to have a lot of makeup. It wouldn't be a big deal. And boy, was I wrong. Um, <laughs> so I set up and thinking we'd have plenty of time to do this shoot. And we were cutting it right down to the wire. We almost had people knocking on the door, trick-or-treating while we're still shooting. Flashes are going off, camera gears everywhere. We had some family show up to to hand out candy while we walked the neighborhood. And I mean, there was nowhere for them to even sit because all my gear was everywhere. It was a bit of a nightmare this year. You'd think I'd learn my lesson, but I definitely didn't. But at the end of the day, the photos came out really great. Uh, we're really happy with them. Brilliant. Uh, it was great to see. I loved looking at them on your Instagram. So, uh, final question then is, uh, I don't know whether this will, will be appropriate from a work point of view, but I always ask the guests that I speak to, if you could... Choose one photographer, alive or dead, to spend the day shooting with. It doesn't have to be in your professional capacity. Who might it be? Uh, I think I have to go back to just I mean, one or two people, and they're both kind of similar. And I've always had a thing for their work. Is is Annie Leibovitz? I mean, she was really my idol a long time ago. And I, I not to name drop here, but I have a, a, a family friend is Feist, the musician, and we've, I've known her for years. And she once did a shoot with 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 Leibowitz and I remember seeing her one time I said so you got to tell me like what was it like to, shoot, to work with Leibowitz and her response was kind of funny she's like you know no one's ever asked me that people always want to know about all the musicians that she's been <laughs> on stage with but she's like no one's ever asked me about Leibowitz of all people so I'd say Eddie Leibowitz or, and for a long time I was really into David LaChapelle's work I still am but uh, yeah. there was a time when his his just his color and his 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 sets that he built uh, were pretty fantastic but so I'd, I'd probably have to say those two people yeah, yeah, good choices. And what was her answer when you asked her what it was like to work with Leibowitz? She just she just kind of told me about how their day went. And I mean, I've seen I've seen more now like behind the scenes videos of the way she works and it does seem very casual and she's just, you know, just it's it's very you know, they have a bit of gear, but it's usually just one person holding one light walking around and she's she's just kind of doing her thing. It seems very casual. Uh yeah. from my she, from what I can tell. So she is absolutely fantastic, isn't she? And I've seen yeah. I've seen pictures of her. I've never obviously seen or met her, but I have seen pictures of her walking around with an X one hundred around her neck as well. So yeah. she may be in that Fujifilm family. Darren, honestly, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for uh taking time out of your your busy day to speak to us. Um just let everybody know where where is the best place for for them to find you your websites instagram all of that kind of stuff first let me just thank tell you uh like thank you so much for having me on it's kind of a it's a little surreal because i do listen to the podcast every week and uh to be here on it now is is, is very surreal so you want to talk about nerves maybe i had nerves going into this one as well <laughs> um but every, um, most of my stuff or everything can be found through basically through my website is kind of like my portal to everything so it's dsgphoto.com and in there there is links to my instagram my uh I don't really use Facebook very much for my photos, but um, Instagram and even my uh, IMDb listing, which is kind of fun to look at. You can actually see all the productions I've worked on there. So that's been fun building that over the years. And um, hopefully soon, now that I have a little bit of downtime, that my website will get updated soon because it's been 
It was one of my early COVID projects, so it's it's some of the really interesting work that I've done that isn't even on there yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to share some of that work uh, soon. Our thanks to Darren Goldstein. And of course, links on the show page today, which you'll find at fujicast.co.uk. Right, more Mullins. Everyone needs some more Kevin in their life, surely, don't they? If that requirement comes with a need to hear country music, then you're in double luck. Every Thursday at 3.30pm, UK time, Kev's country music show takes to the airwaves on the internet radio station, incapablestaircase.com. But if Thursdays at 3.30 are impossible because you're in a board meeting and your boss prefers ABBA second time round, huh, then you can play catch-up. And we'll link to that today. And then, with uh, COP26 ending in tears for COP President Alok Sharma, but... Uh, Still a rallying call for a deal that's hopefully going to pave the way for the future and more progressive conversation. It's probably timely that uh, on my own podcast called Photography Daily that we talk about the earth and our impact upon the animals that walk it and coexist alongside us. And to help me do that, I have one of those sort of photographers who hasn't just made pictures about the plight of animals, which in this case is uh, Africa, but has helped to set up the most extraordinary foundation that now protects over 1.6 million acres of wilderness, cutting poaching, protecting animals that otherwise would end up as, uh, as fashion accessories or, or displayed upon a wall or, well, you know, the kind of thing. His international shows and works are shaping the way many think about how we're impacting environments. Nick Brandt is my guest this Friday on my podcast, Photography Daily on the Photo Walk Edition, and I'm delighted to have a chance to talk to him about Inherit the Dust, the most incredible exhibition that I saw in 2016 at Photo London that most certainly left a mark on the way that I view this kind of photography. I think of it as street photography, right? which may sound odd. Uh, it's kind of land art meets street photography. Yes, we put these giant panels in those places, but yeah. then I just wanted to wait for the people who live there in those places to be oblivious to those animal portraits. They're just like ghosts in the landscape. So Nick Brandt is my guest on Photography Daily on Friday, which is available wherever you get your podcasts, including this app, or, or indeed you can listen to it on the, uh, on the net, which is at photographydaily.show. Right, back to your questions. We didn't take one from the Facebook group yet, Kev, so... Uh, no, because we had a load of patrons. I know, a, t- a timely moment, Kev, to delve into Facebook, the, the land of Facebook, the book of face. Indeed, the book of face. <laughs> uh, okay, so as is tradition, I will start with the latest question, which came in a, a very, very recent two hours ago, and it's from uh, John Wayne, our friend John Wayne. Yes. Uh, a really interesting question, actually. I'm not sure whether it's a question we can answer. Suppose film photography had never existed and we only had photographs since videos first became available would modern photography look the same if we weren't so nostalgic about the old film and cinema look did uh, uh, when you say supposing film didn't is did you mean supposing digital hadn't come along and we were no supposing film photography didn't happen what? And no, no pictures out of cameras at all up until digital. Oh, oh right, okay. And when digital was, I presume invented- that's how I'm reading that. Question. Oh, I, I see. So, no, so nobody, had, uh, nobody invented the the alchemics pro- process of um, of producing pictures from well before the Victorian period and onwards. And we, oh, we film photography had yeah, never existed. Yes, right. I've got it now. Got it now. Got it now. Wow. And then we just suddenly start with digital in mm. 2004 or 
just before, wasn't it? Nineteen. Would modern photography look the same? My oh, uh, wow. my, my take on that is probably yeah, it would look different because yeah. we wouldn't have all of that old lovely grainy black and white stuff, and perhaps because of that, we wouldn't have things like you know grain settings in cameras and black oh. across settings for example well, maybe Perhaps. maybe they wouldn't have really even considered black and white as as what we need because it was never yeah. there before that had gone straight into color somebody yeah, would have, exactly. somebody would have said black and white what, are you mad well it's all yeah. about putting color yeah exactly um although and then it says would modern photography look the same and i i think actually photography itself is yeah. still based on those three principles isn't it like composition moment and 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 photography is still you know the the, the technicalities of it is still based on the triangle the aperture uh, the um, exposure triangle it is now and it was in those cameras that we're pretending didn't exist mm. so i think the the way photography would happen is the same would be the mm. same but yeah i think perhaps would we would we still be hankering after those old black and whites and things like that and wanting our digital images to look yeah. like that if we'd never seen them interesting it's not an answer is it it's not it's not something we can answer but it's an interesting what, what about all conversation. those amazing photographers that have shaped our lives and told the stories such as the, the mccullins who we eulogize about all those missing historical characters, Kev. What would we have done? Uh, there's quite a few historical characters I wish we'd missed. What, photographically? No, just generally in life. Oh, well, that's the same with everything, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, right, uh, question on the X100V. Matt Fletcher. Hello, guys. I hope all is well and you both had a great weekend. Yardy, yardy, yarda. Maybe this is a silly question. There's no such thing as. But um, it's one that's been bugging me for some time. When I use the optical viewfinder on the X100V and, and I focus, the whole grid sometimes shifts slightly across the screen. Why is that? I'm not sure if that explains it clearly enough, but I hope any information and advice on focusing using the optical viewfinder could be shared. I've begun recently taking photographs again in and around Chengdu in China, where I live. Finally upgraded the X from the X100F. The camera's a joy to use, and I'm extremely happy with the upgrade. And his, his Instagram, if you want to see it, is Matt, at Matt Fletcher. Matt Fletcher. Oh, no, I think it's Matt Fletcher with three Ts. I'll check that while you're answering that question, Kev. Uh, okay, yeah. So, yeah, it's perfectly normal. That's the um, parallax coming into play. So optical viewfinder has to adjust the frame lines for the uh, the way that you'll look because the viewfinder is not um, – it's top left, so it's not looking through the lens. Yeah. So it will adjust it. You have an option in your camera to um, automatically adjust frame lines. You can switch that on or off. Yeah. Um, I would suggest having it on, though, because then you'll get a more accurate composition. There we go. Uh, that was textbook, that. That was textbook. I liked it. Matt Fletcher. Proud of that answer. Well, and I can't find his Instagram. I mean, I've copy-pasted Matt Fletcher, but with three Ts, nothing's going on. There's loads mm. of Matt Fletchers in the world. How many Matt Fletchers are there, Kev? Um, hang on. I think 1,633,020. You're spot on. Look at that. You got the answer for that one right as well. Incredible. <laughs> right. Facebook. I wonder if that's a China thing. If he's in China, can we see Chinese Instagram accounts? I don't know. I would have thought Instagram would be all one big happy platform family, wouldn't it? I don't know. They don't have Google and things like that over there, do they? No, they so, don't, no. I don't know. I really don't know. They still have, a, um, still have access to Instagram in China, don't you? Presumably, because he shared his Instagram account with us. Yeah. But I don't know whether it's ring-fenced for Chinese users only. Oh, maybe. I really Really don't know. I'm just trying to tenticulate why you can't see the the, the Chinese uh, Instagram. Uh, Matt, Matt, could you write back and let us know that? But obviously, don't send us a message through Instagram. 
yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Facebook. Okay. So we have a question from Dan Hoss. Mm. Hello. I'm due to jet off for my holly bobs in the new year with oh. the family and we'll be bringing the camera XT3 nice. plus 23 mil F2 to nice. document and mostly annoy the missus and the nipper. I'm having a small crisis on what to do with my files. Do I pack my MacBook and external hard drive and transfer my raw files each day? Or should I bring a small army of SD cards? Oh, God. Um, my concern with bringing the laptop is I'll spend my evenings editing photos rather than enjoying the spoils of an all-inclusive bar. Well, you can take your laptop to the bar. Yeah. Well, and not, not, not if it's a pool bar, though. Could be in trouble then. Yeah. You was know it, what I do? If it's an XT3, shoot, you've got two cards. Two cards, yeah, two cards. Yeah, keep, keep just, one, yeah, keep them separate. And 228 gig cards. That's it. Perfect. Back, back to back, you're good to go. You Job. don't need to download them then. Job um, if you've got a, presumably, if you've got a MacBook, you've probably got an iPad or an iPhone or um, something other i-specific, uh, which you can, you can if you wish to have a look at some of them yeah. on you, on the go, you can do that. That's probably what I would do. Yeah. And if you don't think, if, you go, if you're lucky enough to be going on Holly Bobs for an extended period of time and you don't think 128 gig is big enough, 256 gig. Or you can even go to 512 gig. In fact, I think you can go to one terabyte cards in the X-T3. Or, or shoot, shoot RAW on one, the ones that you intend to edit later, and put everything else on JPEG. And I'm assuming that the Holly Bobs Hotel will have, um, will have some decent internet and you can just put them up, uh, up into the cloud each night knowing that everything is safely there and you can sleep soundly at night. The result of having had far too many cocktails. Yeah. Perfect. Sorted. Book. Uh, book. One second while I avatar the answer to that, because I always put a little avatar to the questions that I've answered. Right. Uh, there you go. What's your, av- what's your avatar of choice now, Kev? Is it still the... It's always different. Everyone's different. Each question gets a different avatar. So Dan got a picture of me opening a bottle of champagne to celebrate him going on holiday. Really? Why did you get an avatar like that this time of year? Do you mean emoji? No, it's an avatar. Yeah. Comment with an avatar sticker. That's the button. Oh, with address. a sticker. So with a sticker. Yes, 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 yes. You can in face. I think you only can do it on your phone, but you can set up an avatar that looks roughly like you, which is brilliant. Okay. So I've, I got one that looks much better looking than me with a lot more hair. Well, I've not actually looked in the because because you do the Facebook questions. I've not looked in the Facebook uh, questions um, thread. So I'm okay. If you look now, you'll I'm, see my avatar. I'm going to go and look at them now. Right. While you're looking at the book, I'm looking at you. Okay, so Fred Herzog, Modern Colour. This has been bugging me for many years, this book. I've seen it so many times and thought about getting it. And so in the end, I thought, yes, I'm going to get it. uh, It was available. I found it in a bookshop, actually, but it is available on the internet. So the blurb is, uh, Fred Herzog is known for his unusual use of colour in the 50s and 60s, a time when art photography was almost exclusively associated with black and white. The Canadian photographer worked almost exclusively with Kodachrome slide film for over 50 years, and only in the past decade has technology allowed him to make archival pigment prints that match the exceptional colour and intensity of the Kodachrome slide. In this respect, his photographs can be seen as a prefiguration of the new colour photographers of the 70s. This book will bring together over 230 images, many never ever been before reproduced um reword those, that sentence in the right order if you so wish and we'll feature <laughs> essays by acclaimed authors david campany and hans michael Kogletz. Yeah. Uh, fred herzog will be the most comprehensive publication on this important photographer to date uh the book that is um so yes fred herzog a uh, very famous canadian photographer as it says and uh he's always been associated with this color work and uh, as it said there he was he was kind of before his time i suppose really some of the pictures are, I would say, relatively recent, and we're talking about the 80s, but a vast majority of them are kind of late 50s, 60s, kicking around like that. And 
again, a little bit like the tickety-boo book that we saw a couple of weeks ago, most of the images uh, roll into two. So you have, you know, you might have a picture of an inside of a uh, barber shop, and then you have a picture of somebody looking into the barber shop on the next page. There's a, a, well, a well curated theme towards the book itself. But by and large, this is purely, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, a nostalgic book. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful colours, like absolutely beautiful. And and as it said in the blurb, he's managed to, or technology has moved on now for them to be able to get these pigments into print, if you like. And there's all kinds of photos from all around the world, but they are pretty simple pictures. Uh, so, for example, page 277, I'm looking at uh, Man Walking in Antigua, 1964. And of course, it's interesting because... In Antigua in 1964, people wore different clothes, the backgrounds were different. Uh, you know, you can see the colours, you can see the hats, you can see the face. Um, a wonderful picture, the opposite page actually, 1963, Morelia in Mexico. And one of the things I talk about on my street photography workshops is this idea of separation but not overlapping. And this is a classic example of that. You've got five people all walking in different directions on a uh, Mexican street corner, and none of them overlapping. Uh, and it really makes it really aids the visual composition of that picture. Um, there's a, a lovely one, ni- uh, 1960, two boys literally just sat there. One of them looks like he's drinking a bottle of beer, but he's probably not. It's probably pop. Hmm. And the other one's got his hands delved deep into a packet of crisps. Sat there, they look like you know they're about to go off and you know jump on their bikes and explore the neighbourhood. All those stuff that kids used to do before stuff came along. Really interesting kind of studies of people, but also some some newsworthy or news um, specific stuff in terms of fires in in areas and kind of forest fires and all that kind of stuff that he, he would have been at. But really, for me, the the stuff that I love is the general observations of just the people being people. He does um, take it takes a lot a lot a lot of him uh, not exclusively, but there's many images that that feature, and this is where the nostalgia particularly plays well. I think when when you look at shop fronts or from mm-hmm. within shops looking out, was, mm-hmm. I mean, I think the front cover is the one looking out of the barber shop, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and it's and just that, the people. A Coke advert of yesteryear is is proper nostalgia today, isn't it? Blue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm looking page two four six handshake nineteen sixty. There's a grumpy old man uh, and another man offering him a handshake. The grumpy old man's not giving his hand back, but the grumpy old man's got a red bow tie on, and you know he's he's got he's got his trilby hat on. The shop window says uh, special one dollar nineteen a quarter. Can't quite see what it is a special, but just the fact that it's one dollar nineteen, and they refer to it as quarters and things. Coffee for five cents. Um, God, you know, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's brilliant, and all these people, you know, it's. What would happen if these people, you know, now these people might be thinking, oh, you can't take my picture. What are you going to do with that? You stick it on Facebook. You can't use my pictures, my rights. And we wouldn't have this wonderful book if if people continue to have that attitude. Mm. Um, you know, that, plenty, yeah. plenty of pictures of kids in this book as well. None of which imply that um, Herzog was a bad person or a nasty person or, uh, you know, doing anything negative with these pictures. In fact, he did the most beautifully positive things with them, and that's mm. he stored them for everybody else to see forever. Mm. I think I have to say, though, I think my, my favourite picture in the whole book is uh, page 230, and it's just titled Magazine Man 1959. Um, I mean, his exposures are phenomenal, bearing in mind he is using uh, Kodachrome Slide. And there's this guy, it's a magazine shop, obviously, and the the front of the window is covered in magazines and small books. And then you've got magazines hanging on a hanging on a rail 
and like he might hang posters, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then you've got the guy, presumably the owner of the shop, sat in the window reading a magazine. I love it. So you've got true story, real story, uh, modern princess, true romance. They're the ones hanging up. And then the ones on the f- on the ground, if you like, or on the shelf, you've got complete man's companion, oh, saga, God. Ken, <laughs> men, showdown, Argos. Showdown. Um Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, that's a little book. There's also a, um, a magazine called Climax. What? Don't be rude. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. Um, probably none of those magazines exist anymore as well. Um, mm. And in that frame, you've also got the two penny sweet machines outside. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it wouldn't have been two pennies in those days. I love it. Yeah, I really, I really, really love it. Fred- no Photoshop involved in any of this stuff no, either. It's, no. You know, it's... It's good, honest photography. Not that there's anything wrong with using Photoshop, of course, but, you know, it doesn't need it. And and it does really show you the reason why people, some people, myself included, hanker off trying to, you know, we pay thousands of pounds for digital cameras and then we try and make the pictures look like yeah. 1950s film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm very guilty of that. I was going to say, it. hang on a minute. Uh, one of my favourite presets of yours is newspaper, which does exactly that, Kev. Oh, yeah, no, I'm all <laughs> over that. I love it. Yeah, I love it. He, um, he only passed recently as well. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, two thousand nineteen. He was uh, yeah. when was he was born. Hold on, nineteen thirty. So yeah. makes him uh, uh, eighty nine. Is that eighty nine? Yes, eighty nine. Makes him eighty nine. It's quite a, quite a lot of good stuff. The um, the curators of his archive are, are still doing stuff with his work, and I think you'll find some of it on YouTube as well. Yeah. Um, some videos of him actually out shooting and all that kind of stuff. So yes, Fred Herzog, uh, Modern Colour is the is the book of the week, and of course we'll link to it in the uh, in the famous show notes. Um, question: Paul Sillard, have we done this one before? I'm just going to have to check on this one, Kev. I'm usually quite good at making sure I file them appropriately. Hello, chaps. Alias Kevin Neal. Insert yada yada. Just listened to your recent episode explaining the trailing letters of the X100 series. I S for second, T for third, F for the fourth, V for the fifth, and yes, I did not know that. So thank you for expanding my Fujifilm knowledge. So my question is, what would be the suffix for the sixth and seventh? Because they would both be yes. Yeah, pass. No idea. Well, Kev, uh, you know this. X one hundred VI. You have a you have a hotline to the main people. I don't know. I mean, X one hundred VI. Perhaps even I tell you something though. Even when we, uh, even when I was involved with the X one hundred V discussions before that was um, released, they never said it was going to be called an X one hundred V. You know, we didn't know. It's not like a known thing. No. So don't know. could be VI for six. Could be X one hundred six. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, my guess is VI. Yeah. On another note, says Paul, oh, this could get technical here. I was mulling over the dilemma of a truly monochromatic sensor, such as the Leica mono cameras, versus converting a raw file to mono. I recall somebody was talking about how nice it would be for, for Fuji-san to give us a mono X100VM. Did you say that? If the, if the colour sensor with 24 megapixels, or megapixies as he calls them, contains four photo sites per pixel, I think there's two green plus a red and a blue. Does that mean that a 24 megapixel sensor is actually a 24 times 4 equals 96 million photo sites? If so, uh, we didn't have a colour microprism. Would the same sensor give us a 96 megapixel image? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I tell you what, Paul is a thinker. He's he's uh, he's an Australian thinker. I still haven't given up on a monochrome Fujifilm sensor, though. Haven't you? No, I, it won't happen. I have actually given up. 
but in my heart hasn't given up. Would you be the? Would you be at the front of the queue then, Kev? You yeah. would be, wouldn't you? I even told them I'd buy three if that helped. But well, yeah, that sorted the whole thing. Would you be queuing up outside the shop? Bit, yeah. bit like, do you remember the the Harry Potter thing where people would uh, queue? From midnight onwards, the the night, sometimes many nights before, uh, in little tents outside Waterstones Bookshop. Get the book, yeah, yeah. To, to Some get... of those books are worth a fortune, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Early editions. Yeah, you bet. Would you be doing the same then? You'd be you'd be parked up outside the the house of photography. Well, you you with your little tent. You'd probably have Git with you for for security. I would actually. I would. I would queue up for that that would yeah would i wouldn't queue up for anything else in my life but i would queue up for a monochrome what a photo story that would be. what a photo story uh right you're i think we've got time for one more so have you looked at my avatars yet i did i just i just saw them i like them what a fun idea yeah you think they look like me uh they're better looking <laughs> <laughs> i recently changed it i i widened the body a little bit recently no kev did you <laughs> So if yeah. I look back further, they will be thinner. <laughs> no, you would not. Probably going to get wider and wider and wider and no. wider. But you're, uh, no, but you're back in your exercise regime and everything, aren't you? Now you're you're doing your you're doing your sports. You're back doing your sports. You got your jogging machine next to your desk. How's mm-hmm. that? How's that going? Yeah, it's all right. It's not as you know. It's the thing is we're we're balls deep in weddings, aren't we? So it's like getting the time. I beg your pardon. What, what did he? What did he just say? Don't be rude. Oh, that's exactly. I thought that's what he said. The time at the moment is 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 not our friend. It's not my no. friend anyway. But there you go. So yes. Um, and as I said before, being being British, I can complain about something that's actually very good. <laughs> so uh, right, let's get to another question. Does that mean you're, that probably means you're having a few few beers when you get back when you're doing when you get back from your um, your what? What did you have trouble calling it last week? Your drinks reception. Go on, Kev, say it again. Drinks reception. <laughs> oh, I can't dear. say it. That will never fail to amuse me. <laughs> I can't say it. I, go, I think it's the gap in my teeth. Oh, uh, all the words fly out of the hole in my they teeth do. before anything else. I, I, your little things on this Facebook. If you haven't joined the Facebook group, if you join it for no other reason now, join it to see what I didn't know you were doing this. Because I've never had to, I've never had to look after that thread. I just didn't see it. But there's little, there's little ones of Kev here winking. Uh, there's one, there's one here. There's a yes as he jumps in the air. Or oh, there's a beer one here, beer, beer swilling one. These are very funny, Kev. Oh, go on, question. Okay, Matthew, Matthew Harrells. Uh, I currently use an X Pro Two with a collection of older XF lenses. Yeah. I would ideally love to upgrade to a newer body, but I'm waiting to see what Fuji have in store for us with the rumoured new sensor. The reason I'm cautious is that I'm concerned the newer future-proofed Mark II 1.4 lenses that Fuji have released will be so much better on the newer sensor in terms of image quality than my current lenses that I'd be better off slowly migrating to the new lens lineup. Mm. I doubt Fuji would make its older lenses obsolete in any way, but with the new sensor technology. But I have read that older lenses were designed to be optimised up to 32 megapixels, and beyond this, they may not perform as well as they do now. Do you think the new sensor, if it's going to be 40 megapixels, will affect the older lenses in any way? This is one of the reasons now you're you're changing your lens lineup, isn't it? Because you know this is coming, Kev. You can see it. It's coming over the hill like a cavalry. Yeah, partly. It is, um, yes. So there will be a new sensor. I, I really don't know whether it will be 40 megapixels or, I mean, that's that's what the rumours are saying. Huge. My, my main concern with that and my main worry is if it is 40 megapixels, that it doesn't affect the low light performance because more megapixels yeah, it can does. affect yeah. that. So yeah, they yeah. need to get that in place. 
we'll have to have to wait and see what what's happening with that. But what I can tell you is the new the new series of um, Mark II, if that's what you want to call it, although Fujifilm are officially not calling them Mark II's lenses, are noticeably sharper in my mind even on the existing cameras. So whether that's because of the resolving um, factors of the lenses or whether they've just got snappier linear motors in them or whatever, I, it, it could be a combination of all of those things. However, what I would say is that I don't think that if you have a old, uh, like maybe the very old, the first tranche of lenses, the 18 F2, the 60 1.4, um, 35 1.4, yeah, maybe they might be a little bit soft on a new super megapixel sensor, but the rest, I wouldn't worry too much about. Don't, personally, don't, myself. Don't, panic, don't panic too much yet, Mr. Mannering. Okay, well, thank you for that, and thank you for your questions this week. That's it, Kev, for another week. Um, thank you to this week's guest, Darren Goldstein. If you've liked this or any of the week's shows, thank you. And if you can, of course, and you feel it's relevant, we'd love for you to leave a review. If you can share the episode on Twitter or on Facebook, you're an absolute star. Let us know where you're sharing to, because uh, we, we do sometimes give those platforms a, a shout-out too, as they say, in Youthland. See you in the Facebook group. I love that, Kev, by the way. And now I think I'm just going to camp out that Facebook group to see how you... Um, what, what what your avatar is going to be when you answer questions? Can well, you... uh, Matthew just got a, a picture of me riding a pencil with lots of mathematical equations around it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems relevant. Yes, so, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, send your questions, um, your stories about your work, and anything else of interest uh, to click at fujicast.co.uk. And uh, of course, go into patrons the, bump to the front. Yeah, patrons bump to the bump, bumps, bump to the bump, bump, bump to the front. If you join us, um, thank you to those who are supporting the show by patron. Uh, you're very kindly. Music from Blue Wednesday, supporting music for the incredible artlist.io, and we will see you next week. Bye, Ken. Bye bye. The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.